Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Dan Eiton. Hey, hey. And I believe the guest that's racked up the most appearances on Five Leadership Questions, the one and only Brad Lomine. Boom. Here we go. Here we go, people. He's back. Back and better than that. I don't know. It may be. Has it been over a year since you've been on? It's been a long time. I didn't know if you still liked me or if I had done something to offend the five leadership questions community. No. So, Todd, before this podcast, I went back and I looked to see just how many times Brad was on. And at a minimum, Brad, you've been on five times. The last time was March 10th, 2020, right before COVID hit. Wow. That was what happened. Yep. It caused it all. It caused yeah. it all to collapse. Who knows well, what happened? I feel like happened. in some ways I might have brought COVID to America. Well, um, so as we're recording this, the FOMC is meeting right now. Jerome Powell is uh, setting, setting some new standard or something with our banking system. So... Yeah, I don't luck, know. Good luck with that. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't bode well last time around. So we'll see, but we are doing uh, quick hitters. It's been a while since we've done quick hitters too. I think we might've done quick hitters with Barnabas since then uh, having Barnabas back on. I know we did a, did one not uh, too long ago with his, his book and happy rant. I still have problems. Uh, I love happy rant. I can't publicly say that because of some of the, the comments that are made there. Um, but <laughs> I say it anyway. Uh, Here we go. So, Dan, uh, walk us through quick hitters. Yeah. Do you want me to just list all the questions, Todd, or just just the first one? No, let's go one by one. Okay. Yeah, the first one is, uh, Brad, what's one thing that you've read recently? One thing. One thing. And I'm like assuming you're talking thing. about a book. Yeah. Yes. It could be a book. It, yeah. could, it could be something different. Well, I don't, I'm not reading. This is, a, this is a philosophical adjustment or a strategy adjustment. I'm listening more than I'm reading these days. And I'm also reading more articles and short essays than I am books. Now that means that doesn't mean you shouldn't read my book. <laughs> so I, I just in general, I think this is, uh, this is kind of where we're sh- shifting to. However, the one book I would say right now that more recently I think is really helpful is the power to change Craig Rochelle's newest book. And everybody's got a book out on mindset, it feels like. Right. And habits, you know, habits and mindset have been arguably, wouldn't you agree with this, Todd? Like oh, the, most, the most popular topics the last two to three years. Well, um, because everybody's mindset or framework was kind of broken. Yes. Uh, and so now they're looking for a new operating system, if you will, for their brain. Yeah. So that one would be one that I would recommend, The Power to Change. But the, even here's a good example. Adam Grant does yeah. he, these Instagram, basically, I would say short messages. And those are, I love reading those. And, and I don't know where he's pulling those from, if he's pulling from his books or if those are just thoughts that he's coming up with. But that, for me, that's a good example of something that I'm reading on a regular basis because I follow him that is different than just the standard. I read his latest book. So we recently did the five leadership questions, 500th episode. They asked me who I was currently learning from. And I basically said a lot of the same stuff you did. So I'm feeling really good about myself. <laughs> You're validated. No, I did not say Adam Grant, although he has been mentioned recently. I was talking about 
the way I learn oh, has yeah. shifted and yes. I'm consuming more things like that than I am books. And I made some lame excuse or they tried to call me out either on air or off air um, that this might be a lame excuse that you just say, oh, well, you know, you say you know so much about a subject and then you don't, you know, value things that are new. Actually, it was my wife. Now that I'm thinking of it, they called me out. <laughs> like, your whole new wineskins, old wineskins, blah, blah, blah. Was that just... And I'm like, no, that's really how I learn now. And in fact, the book that I have to answer this question is 10 articles on strategy. So there's um, these H- the series of HBR books that you'll see often in airports along with H3 leadership that will be facing, facing outward on the spinner. Excellent book, but you'll, you'll see those and they're really, really good because it's distilled information on it's, it's the 10 best articles ever written in HBR on strategy. And so it's, it's gold. I guarantee you, you will not waste your time, you know, running through like something like that because seven of the 10 are going to hit well, I mean, I'm not saying 10 out of 10, but I'm saying seven out of those 10 are going to hit really, really well. So, um, I, I, I love those. That's basically, you know, what I'm reading now. And I also mentioned, I may have mentioned rereading things. I found myself rereading a lot lately. I'll just walk into my garage, which is now my library and just look at the shelf sometimes and go, oh, okay, you know, what do I need to look at or what do I want to pick up? Or I'll just find myself you know, walking by and something will catch my eye. And I got a chance to, um, well, I'm not going to go into By the way, it do you have detail. your books? Do you have your books in your, that bookshelf? Like, do you have a classic section that you kind of put your top choices in? The, I kind of have them uh, categorized by like, I have like a strategy section. Okay. And then there's, there are some like, there is a classic section yeah. there. Yeah. The ones that you sort of, these are the top two. Like, yeah. Or, or, Hey, I know I'm going to need this or it's one I reference frequently, that kind of a thing. The interesting thing is how many double copies I have of things. And I'm like, oh, we're going to get this. <laughs> you get them sent to you. Yeah, but most of the time I just take those to McKay's and let my kids get Legos or video games with them. That's, um, that, that is just, I shouldn't a, say that. by the way, everybody listening, that is a, just a small glimpse into the Todd Atkins underworld. That he takes the dark books, underworld. The dark underworld. He takes books <laughs> into McKay's. If I'm not going to read them, or if I got doubles and triples of them, but then, most people don't think that way. Most people are just like, oh, I'll put them in the garage. Well, I've got but four kids. I got to figure yeah. something out. <laughs> you got to move I do. I hey, don't let's let's not talk about trackers. All right, hey Dan, Brad, I'm interested though to follow up on that though. So you said you listen to a lot right now. What are you listening to? Look, books on tape or like what? Or not tape. That's from the 1990s, but what, <laughs> what are you, what are you listening to right now? Like, what does that look like? Definitely a lot of podcasts. So I'm, I'm, I'm deep into the podcast zone. I do listen to some books, books on audio just cause it's easier to consume. And, you know, I'm sure you all have talked about this many times. I may have talked about this at some point. The, the form of audio is it allows you to habit stack. And that's the beauty of audio is you can do the dishes, you can be on the lawnmower, you can be on the treadmill, you can be out on a walk and you're able to still consume. So I would say I have, let me give you, I'm, can I give you at least two? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm really into the diary of a CEO and this is a, this is a London based Stephen Bartlett. 
and it's this is rated PG-13 or R, perhaps. <laughs> but he recently did a Simon Sinek interview that was two hours long and fabulous. I mean, you, you know, you're hearing Simon's talk about stuff that he doesn't talk about uh, more often. So that's that's definitely one that is a new favorite of mine more recently. And then How Leaders Lead, David Novak. Now, those, those two have become go-tos for me in the more recent months. So there's two podcasts for you what, that I'm listening to. And b- by the way, David Novak has on everybody from, you know, CEOs of companies to Tom Brady and hmm. Jim Nance and lots of sports figures. So I'll give you those. Awesome. Okay. That's super helpful. Um, one of the things that I'm finding is really helpful is some of the, the newer AI is better. And meaning where you can, like before, I didn't want my emails read to me or I didn't want, you know, uh, an article read to me because it was too robotic. And now you've got an opportunity where it's not quite the quality of like an audio book on Audible, um, but you're getting a lot, lot better at at some of those, uh, some of those tools. And a lot of them are already in your app. And you, you know, the way I discovered it is, do you want your emails read to you? Well, okay, I've never done that before, but let me let me let me try that. The other thing I would say is I'm a little embarrassed by, but Lex Friedman's podcast. So, do you ever listen, to Lex? Friedman? I've heard of it. I haven't listened to it. Oh my goodness! Do I need to put that on the list. They're so long, but they're a lot of them are really good. So, now again, this would be a PG-13, maybe plus, depending on whoever the guest is. But they'll go so deep into, you know, one facet. And so I don't know, like whether it's it, it's usually something that is interesting, whether it would be physics or blockchain or whatever, or it'll be like him and Elon Musk. And he's going to ask questions, you know, that, that nobody else is going to ask. He does a ton of research before he gets on there and you never know how long they're going to be. I don't know that anyone is less than two hours. And there was one recently that was eight hours. Now I have not listened to the eight hour podcast. <laughs> I can't bring myself to do That's that. Road trip. That's road trip. Well, and I don't go on road trips with anybody that would want to listen to it besides <laughs> me. So I don't really know what I'm going to do there, but we'll see. Maybe, um, maybe my next uh, transatlantic flight, I'll, I'll catch up. So, um, okay, let's move on. And I'm going to ask this to you, Dan, as well as Brad. What is one tool or resource that you've started using recently? Well, I'm I'm really interested. I'm not the expert, but trying to use chat GPT and AI and navigating this whole new world of how how do I? So can I... Can I yield my time to the senator to my right here? I feel like you know, you you know for the people which so where, where to where to recommend and where they should on, go on this on AI. Yeah, specifically yeah, so, on the yes yeah, open source or open. So I mentioned well. in uh, I mentioned in the 500th episode going beginning to go down the rabbit hole with AI, and I'm trying to pull up one of my favorite guys to follow. I have too many favorites here, but he's basically, it's Zane Khan and it's Hey Khan is his uh, handle. And so he's going to have all kinds of stuff on AI. So it's Z-A-I-N-K-A-H-N. 
again, this is not a Christian person, right? To my knowledge, yeah. I haven't seen anything sketchy, but I'm not, you know, I'm not endorsing everything he says. But he will do like ChatGPT is the tip of the iceberg. This is this morning. I haven't looked at this one. Twenty AI tools that will transform your productivity forever. So, but he'll also do things on writing. So. I had said on the 500th episode, I'm looking at um, things like Quill. I don't want chat GPT to write my, you know, article for me. Yeah. I want chat GPT to take three articles I've already written on strategy and, you know, see what it comes up with. And Quill does that. So Quill, you can actually put in content and it will consolidate that content and spend it out. Now, I guess if you wanted to be real fun, you could, you know, give it like a Warren Wearsby sermon on specific texts, a Furtick and a like, let's, let's, you know, you just name Spurgeon and you just like get a litany of randomness and see what it spits out just for fun. That's what, that's the kind of things I would have done when I was in seminary, not to like, you know, again, I'm not saying you should use you should uh, use it as your sermon central and <laughs> be done. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for entertainment purposes, that would have been something I would have done. Uh, but there are many, many tools out there like that that can be really helpful for writing or consolidating thought or being a springboard for something, whether it be, hey, I need an email for this type of thing or a policy for something. And then, you know, of course, we all, we all have a tendency to love these things. When, when I find a template that is 70 to 80% done for me, it's massive because I can put enough into it and make it my own and feel like it still is mine, but it, it did all the heavy lifting. It goes back to, uh, there's a great article in Psychology Today on Betty Crocker. So in the 50s, they actually had powdered eggs and powdered milk in, in, in the cake mix and you just added water and nobody wanted to use it because if somebody came over and complimented them or whatever, they just felt like a fraud. They felt like a fake, but look this up, Google this, just add an egg. Um, when they moved to just adding an egg, their, their, their marketing efforts worked and it sales soared because people felt like, they, were they, doing something. they felt like they were actually doing something and all that. Um, so take that with, you know, take with that what you will, but that's something that I, I think is really important um, because it's time saving and you can use that to really spur on your own thinking. If we're honest, a lot of the things that we supposedly create on our own are really made up of the ideas of other people anyway, whether we read it or it's the commentary or it's part of the, you know, study section of our study Bible or whatever it is. So it's understanding that some of these things can be a springboard for it. And it doesn't mean that you should not still cite your sources and make sure you have your sources down. I, I think for me, I've, I've actually, that was good. My first answer, I have two, two answers to this question. First was a chat GPT. And what I've done with it is just kind of more used it as like a super Google. Like I, I'm just dipping my toe in it. But like the other day I am sending out personalized emails to a couple churches around the country and wanted to put the correct time zone in the meeting. And I literally put like 30 
cities and states in it and just said, what are the time zones for these? And it kicked it all out to me, you know, just because I don't know what, you know, Tallahassee, Florida, I was like, was that central or was that, is that Eastern? Like, what is that? And um, like some things like that have just been super helpful for me um, to use that. So I'm not even looking at it from like a writing standpoint. I'm just like, oh, let me see what, let me see what this can do for me. Um, the other thing that I've been doing I'm terrible at journaling. Like I've always wanted to be that guy that journals, you know, my thoughts and Bible verses that I'm studying that day and stuff and been really bad at it. But I've been using um, something called day one, um, which syncs on my computer to my iPhone, to my iPad. And it's that's been super helpful for me as I, I you know, I'm, I'm at the beginning of it. So I feel like the, the early kick is in. We'll see what that looks like a month from now. But that's been a tool that I found is super helpful. But let's let's keep moving on with the quick hitters here. Brad wanted to ask you the uh, the fourth one here is what's one person that has influenced you lately? Oh man, it's hard to say one. <laughs> Other than Todd Adkins sitting next to you, no question. Todd would be Todd would, is a, he's a continual continual influence. First thing he said is he walked up and he's like, "What's up with your sweater?" Well, it has multiple zippers. It has multiple zippers. Yeah, it's like which one of those zippers do I need to unzip? Which which one like, works? Yeah, like, what's what's going on here? Uh, I, I work scissor hands. I will. I will. Um, I'll say somebody that I consistently listen to their sermons. John Tyson, out of New York City. Many people would know of John, and he's you know he's doing the art of preaching. I think for the him and John Mark Homer. Yeah, they started this new thing. But they, they, he's been, they've been doing a series at Church of the City, New York City, called God Comes Where He's Wanted. Hmm. And it's just been, in many ways, uh, mirroring sort of the timing of the Asbury outpouring. Really, really helpful, though. And a lot of really insight, perspective. I'll give you, you know, the, the, the one word that I think that from the series that seems to be, I guess, the in many ways, the answer to that question was, where does God show up? If you want to try to, try to figure that out, it's hunger. So, hmm. uh, but that series is really good. You know, I have, I have multiple, I would say multiple voices that I lean into on a, on a regular basis to create spiritual learning, growth, the sages, the voices that are speaking into my life personally. And John's one of those. So I, I can give you the other several, but I'll, I'll just focus in on John Tyson for this one. So actually, once he mentioned that there's John Tyson has a book that you probably haven't heard of unless you're intentionally looking for father resource, fatherhood resources. Mm-hmm. And there's a book called The Intentional Father. That's really good. It's a really short book. And the weird thing is, even though it's really short, I'm not all the way through it. And what happens is it sits either in our, we only have one TV in our house, so we call it the TV room. <laughs> it's either in the TV room or it's uh, on my bedside table. And it's like a, they're quick, you know, chapters, but they're really rich and uh, practical application. And so I would say, it, I mean, he had me on the title because I always talk about intuitive versus intentional and the intentional father. I'm like, man, I don't want to be an intuitive father. I want to be an intentional father because I don't want to just you know, take advantage of the moment when the moment comes and I'm in the mood. I want to be intentional and think about either making moments or intentional about praying and saying, Hey, you know, God help me to see a moment today. And I won't unless 
uh, you know, have some kind of intentional approach. So don't think that a crut, a framework or some quips or sayings or whatever are, are a crutch. Like those are really helpful. And you, again, you know, you still have to have the conversation and have the care and, and have the conversation, but those are really, really good tools to use. How about you, Dan? Anything you would say here? Man, I feel like I am constantly just impacted by those that are around me right now. So, I mean, I feel like you, Todd, Chandler Vinoy, who's on our team. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm very influenced by those that are around me and um, just how they like just picking up things that you guys are doing that I'm like, man, I should really incorporate that in my own life. But I will also say that I've been reading JT English's book, Deep Discipleship, which I know has been out forever and I've had it forever, but I finally got around to reading it. And um, just again, just remembering just how important discipleship is and um, just thinking about it from my former executive pastor hat of the importance of Christian education, um, like just how much I feel like I've focused in, even as an executive pastor on community and that being so important um, in churches that we've lost sight of like Bible teaching and, and knowing the Bible and Bible studies, men's, women's, all that sort of stuff. So that book has definitely been influencing me a lot. Well, and that's the, that's the, I think, shift from intuitive to intentional too. It's like, okay, well, it's intuitive that we have, these different communities within our church, mm-hmm. but what are we intentionally doing to make sure that people are disciples who make disciples who make disciples? Like, and, and for most people, they'll say, well, I don't know how to do that, or I don't know where to start, or I don't know, you know, fill in the blank there again, you know, we've, we've talked about it before with grid and other things where it's like, our churches are full of good and godly people who couldn't ask a good coaching question to save their life, but they're perfectly <laughs> capable of having a conversation especially when you're like, okay, here's a framework for you to walk through. Here's the questions to ask. And PS, you know, there's the Holy spirit to help guide this conversation as well and how it's received and et cetera, et cetera. I think we, we sometimes put um, barriers in front of people just by the way that church practices come along and influence our churches so much that people, you know, feel like they're not capable or equipped or fill in the blank that this is something yep. that the pastor does, etc. They don't feel equipped to do it. And the reality is it's like you have more competence than you realize what you lack is confidence. And if I can give you a framework, then suddenly if I give you a one sheet piece of paper with a good framework on it and some questions, man, that's all the catalyst you need, you know, you, and you feel you know, you, you do feel more confidence having a clear thing, a clear next step and, and, and where to go. I think a lot of training is really, it's more about competent, uh, confidence than it is competence. Mm-hmm. Me too. Confidence and competence. Yes. Equals yeah. what? We need, we need another C there. We need another C. C3. <laughs> that way we, that way we we'll take them out, but... Uh, <laughs> Love it. Uh, last question. And we've sort of been answering this in, in the last one, but what's one lesson that you've been learning recently? Ooh, good. Good. I love this. I love this question. Well, more recently, I've been diving into compassionate candor because that's I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leading a discussion here at the uh, at the the in the inner sanctum of the Lifeway hierarchy. 
That's true. Have, it's one of those where you got to have the thumbprint and the eye scan yep. and, yeah. and the, uh, the foot. The, all of it. Yeah. All the things. So this whole idea of, of, of caring deeply and challenging directly, it's a really insightful thing for us to think about as leaders. Uh, so that, that's, that's definitely something just because of actually today that I'm, I'm spending a lot of time and energy on. The thing that's always true for me, Dan, is that I'm always trying to learn about consistently how to be a better curator. Hmm. And I, this is for me like the season I'm in, but it's also in many ways a, a calling in life is the filtering of the noise. And this, this is, you know, this is why I, on my podcast, I, I do a lot of recommendations and I love that we're doing recommendations right now because what people need is they need people who will help them sift through all the content that's out oh my there goodness, and yeah. get to get to the good stuff. So, and it's not just for us to do this. I mean, anybody listening, you can do this in your local area. You can do this in your local community. If you become a curator of connections or of resources or of uh, talent, you automatically have influence in the place you traffic. So that's, that's the lesson that I'm always going back to is the power of, of the curator, the power of the filter, the power of somebody who, who removes as much of the noise as possible to, to get people the things they need and the way they can consume it that's going to have the most impact on their life. Hmm. That's really good. This, this is going to sound really weird, but um, Brad and I had a conversation with, uh, with Ben Mandrell right before this, and today he was breaking down some stuff from, um, from strength to strength. And in that, um, it is strength to strength, right? Yeah, Arthur Brooks. Yep. In, in that book, um, I haven't read the book, but I'm definitely going to be reading the book. Uh, he said, you get to a point where the things that you've learned become crystallized. You know, that for a long time you may be fluid, but you reach a certain age. In the book, they say it's around your mid-40s where things become crystallized. And then you're just drawing off of that previous knowledge. Of course, you're you know, paying attention to how it's applied and you're using that, that I guess, quote unquote wisdom. And it hit me funny because I'm like, no, I would say leadership is learning in front of people. And that's what I've been blessed to do for so long. And, but then it goes back to conversations that Brad and I've had over the last couple of years where I'm like, man, I can't find a new gear. How do I find a new gear? I've always been able to find a new gear when it comes to leadership development, when it comes to my brain, when it comes to, you know, production, all those things. And, and I haven't found a new gear. What struck me was during that uh, time where I was kind of processing what Ben was saying, it immediately flashed up into, into my brain. I recently redid five moments of need. And oddly enough, the interesting thing is I'd written on five moments of need earlier. And then I went to chat GPT and I was like, five moments, of, like, tell me the five moments of need because I wanted to see if it would bring up. It was one of the first things that I, that I typed in to see what it would bring up. And so, you know, interacting with that and then honing from an old blog article I read and what I was reading there. And so the interesting thing about five moments of need is people do not want training. <laughs> they don't want development unless it's one of these five you no know, moments. And a big part of that is pressure. It's uh, when somebody has to learn something new for their job or they lose their job and come into a new position or um, they, uh, 
I can't, I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but the point is it was really about, um, the pressure applied. And so it made me immediately think of, um, honey, cause honey will crystallize over time. And the way that you, uh, treat that is you basically light a fire under it and that honey that's crystallized will become liquid again. And so in my life, I, I, I've really come to the conclusion, like right now I'm learning in front of you because I'm processing this in front of everybody, um, is that I think I'm at the point at least where I'm learning things um, because I have to solve a problem or, you know, that that's where I'm finding the most interest and the best results. So I've learned more about technology in the last three years than I've ever wanted to know. And a lot of that is because it was one of those five moments of need. So maybe I need to like put my own parameters around me more often that force me into that mindset so that I do stay fluid and don't become crystallized. Not that there's anything wrong with being crystallized and just continuing to pour out, but it just depends on who you want to be as a leader. Um, yeah. By the way, everybody, everybody has long shelf life. Everybody has permission now to use honey in your sermon reference <laughs> coming up. They're gonna, I'm going to see a lot of like honeycombs oh, on stage sure. and they're going to light it. They're going to line it. They're going to light it and watch whatever happened it in a beaker. Yeah, that, that'll preach right there. That'll preach. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Brad, any, any final thoughts for us since we haven't seen you on the podcast for a few years? Anything you want to tell our, our audience? Well, I'm, I'm still very bullish on this whole premise that conversation, community connection around a table with, with people today arguably is, is more desirable than, than a conference hmm. or a big gathering where, there's, where, it's, where it's only about content. For sure. And th this is coming from somebody who spent a lot of my years putting on big conferences with lots of content. So uh, as you think about the way you curate your church, your, your, the content you're creating, the, the friendships you have, you know, lean, lean more into how are you creating transformational experiences that allow for a person to feel like it's, it was created for them. And this is the challenge for all of us, especially pastors and church leaders is, you know, the things that are going to make, perhaps make the most impact on people are the things that don't scale well. Mm -hmm. It's the things that are one-on-one -on -one and they're, they're very customized and specific to that individual. And so we've got to, we've got to really think about that as we create programs and we put on, you know, we put on experiences is how am I creating this for one person? Mm -hmm. And it may be bigger than that. Obviously we, we, I'm not saying forget about the mass and, and the crowds, but um, people want to feel like they're getting something that is so customized to them that it's, it's built on every, all sort of their felt needs. And this is the challenge in today's environment, especially around leadership. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the most transformational things for me uh, when I was an executive pastor a few years ago was going through the strategic leadership community that we have with um, Kevin Peck and Josh Patterson. It was and I would think it's even more impactful now post COVID of just being around a table with 10 other people that are in executive leadership at a church and 
learning things that are specific to what I'm dealing with on a daily basis, but also having people that I'm getting to know and getting to trust and can go to for help uh, when I'm in you know need is was so transformational for me. So I I totally agree with what you're saying and think I think especially now with COVID having happened that. I feel like just those connections have been lost over the last few years and trying to build those back is really important. What's really interesting too is um, if you go to, if you Google Lifeway Research Pastor Survey, one of the things that you'll see is this is uh, quantitative research. This is like over a thousand pastors been done. They did it like three times during COVID. One of the things that you'll see is whether uh, someone is a, a pastor. So we did that survey, then we've done other survey work to prepare for hi-fi and different things. What you'll, what you'll hear from both pastors and like normal people is there is a great desire to be known, massive desire to be known, mm-hmm. not to be a user, mm-hmm. not to be uh, an acquaintance or friend or, um, you know, a, a distant friend on social media or whatever it is to truly be known. And when you look at Gen Z, that's their number one issue is they say, nobody knows me. My parents don't know me. My friends don't know me. Nobody knows me. And that's something that we desperately need to address because if we don't, someone else will. Boom. That's really good. Drop it. Drop that mic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Um, well, Brad, it has been um, awesome to have you on the podcast today. I'm super grateful for your time and um, look forward to having you again here for maybe your sixth or seventh time here in the future. It will be uh, like go. double digits. It's double digits. <laughs> yeah. We won't, we won't uh, wait two years to bring, bring you on again here, but thanks again for your time and uh, all of you listening. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope to see you on a future podcast. 